direct your prayerful attention to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2 verse 20. In the middle of the Apostles' teaching to the Galatian church, and indeed many of his letters, while he is giving instruction in doctrine, in teaching of the facts of salvation and the doctrines of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, he also speaks of himself and of his own experience of the truth and how those doctrines affect him in his life and how he applies them into his own life. And we may say this does apply then to all of the people of God. It's not just the apostle. The apostle is able to clearly see it, articulate it, but the effect of Christ's work and the gospel is to be known and felt in our hearts and seen in our lives. It's not just uh, an interesting uh, historical thing. It's not just something that we have in our heads and just doesn't touch our hearts or lives. The whole of the gospel, it speaks to us as sinners, those that are walking through this life and we begin it as born in sin and shapen in iniquity and just following after the flesh, after our own thoughts and our own desires and our own ways, consulting only ourselves. And yet by the grace of God, those that are born again of his spirit and those that are converted they are brought to know, taste and walk in the precious truths of the gospel. It is a provision for sinners, not just for eternity, for heaven, but for life and for the daily conflict between the old nature and the new nature, our flesh and what it still desires, like we've sung, and the new man of grace. And so the Apostle, really in our text, is speaking of how he identifies with the crucifixion of Christ, what that means to him, and how it actually applies to his life. Now in this letter to the Galatians, the main point of application that he has to the crucifixion of Christ is concerning the law of God. 
the Galatians had received the gospel and he speaks of this in the first chapter. He tells them of uh, what Christ has done. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father and our Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And so he sets forth in the first few verses uh, a summary of the gospel, that substitutionary offering of our Lord Jesus Christ upon Calvary. And he puts it in the way, gave himself for our sins. But then he reproves them and he marvels that they so remove, soon remove from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. But he says it is not another gospel. And the whole point that he's dealing with with the Galatians is they're looking back again to the law of God to be justified. Their deficiency in their trust in Christ, in the gospel, in what Christ has done, is seen in them leaning back to the ceremonial law, uh, circumcision especially, but the apostle is very concerned that a man is not justified by the works of the law in verse 16, chapter 2, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Justified means to be counted free from guilt, free from condemnation. Not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ, not by the works of law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And then he says, For if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin, God forbid. And so on one hand, he's setting us free from the law, on the other hand, he's guarding against those who would say that there is no law and we can live lawless and live just as we like. And this is why, of course, we read the chapter in Romans, Romans 6, where the apostle had established that we are saved by grace and saved by faith and then poses the question that shall we then sin that grace might abound. And he answers that again with identifying to the death of Christ, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything is coming back to that. Remember in Corinthians, he said when they had a party spirit and when there's conflicts amongst them, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Really, the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, is the key, the secret of the Lord, which is with them that fear him. It's the central point, the answer really to all questions and puzzles and wanting to know how we can be saved, how we can be free from guilt, how we are to live, how we are to deal with sin that remains in our members, 
how we are to glorify God, how we are to obey God, everything comes back to the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle does this with letter after letter answering uh, many different errors that the Church of God and those in the churches were putting forth. He always comes back to to Calvary and what was done there. We think of the beautiful chapter 1 Corinthians 15 where he dealt with the error that there is no resurrection of the dead and how he proves all of the implications of taking up with that error. Very seldom is there uh, just one implication of an error. Usually it affects many, many things. You think if someone was building a house and they made an error in the foundation of the house, that is going to affect that whole building. Everything in it, just one error, not just just one bit, not just the foundation, but the building that is on it. Remember, many years ago, one of the chaps I worked with over in Echuca, in, in in Australia, on the border, New South Wales and Victoria, and he built a house, and they built the houses there on a slab of concrete, and the specification said it had to be six inches thick, a whole floating slab on the ground, and then they built the house on it, a wooden frame house. Built houses very different over there than here. The wooden frame goes up first, and then the bricks on the outside of that is just a veneer. And in fact, the roof goes on before even the bricks are brought up. But when he had that slab poured, he actually decided himself to make it a bit thicker. He made it eight inches thick. And it was just as well that he did, because though the builders that did it mixed the cement wrong, and it was not the full strength cement. And then they noticed the cracks in it, and they did have to undergird it and put concrete underneath it. But that one error wasn't found out until the house was fully built. And there was then cracks in the foundation and we find this in the word of God there are no real little errors and especially where it is in a foundation truth and concerning the Lord Jesus Christ there must not be any error at all we must be very clear uh, about the relationship that we have with Christ his death And what we understand has been accomplished and done and identify with that. And this is where the apostle, he speaks of himself. We, uh, regarding the law, the verse before our text, verse 19, for I, not just someone else, not just the speaking about things in the third party, but this is him, I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. In Romans 7, he explains how that was, that he said, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died, and the commandment which was ordained unto life, I found to be unto death. And so uh, the commandment came and it slew him. It took away 
his self-righteousness, the commandment in all its holiness and purity, it showed him and brought him in guilty as a sinner. And the apostle in Romans, he does give the reason for the law that all the world might be brought in guilty before God. The law was given that the offence might abound. The law was given that there might be condemnation known and felt. And that's why he says through the law, uh, I am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. But in our text he speaks of his relationship to a crucified Saviour, crucified Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. His summary in the next verse uh, really reinforces what we have said about Galatians regarding the law of God. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And this is the same point that he was covering in Romans 10, where he had his countrymen, that had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge and they were going about to establish their own righteousness. So what is upon my spirit uh, this evening is that relationship and how we may identify ourselves. How do we identify and see how Paul did with Christ and him crucified? And I want specifically to think of how it does apply where sin works in our members that we also crucify and take up our cross ourselves. I want to look then at various aspects uh, of that identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has said that I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me. Right through the Old Testament, the relationship between sin and sacrifice is established. Right at the very start, when the first promise was given, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head, thou shalt bruise his heel, and then there was the sacrificing of the lambs, the clothing, the skins that were provided to cover Adam and Eve. And then right through the ceremonial law, right through from Abel in his sacrifice that God had respect unto but not Cain, there is the pointing to a laying of sin on another, a substitutionary offering, and that the law is very clear, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. And so he says, I am crucified with Christ. Now of course this does not mean that he was literally, the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified with 
a thief on each side. Uh, this is not speaking of the apostle literally being crucified with Christ at all, but what is put here, Christ died, and Paul really is saying here that he also died, or his old flesh died there, that he was crucified there. That's, that's where his sins were put away. Instead of him dying, Christ died. But Christ died and he has made sin for us who knew no sin. And the Apostle puts it in that way that he so identifies with Christ as if he sees himself there. Christ is dying for him, but he died there. His old flesh died there. His sin was dealt with there. If there was no Christ and no substitution, then Paul would die for his sin. You and I would die for our sin. But we would remain dead because the sentence against sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so our Lord dealing with sin, he deals with sin and our old man, dies with Christ. He says, I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. But our Lord was crucified to fulfill the law, to satisfy the demands of the law, to satisfy justice, to appease the wrath of God. And the apostle says, I identify with Christ's death in such a way to say that I am crucified with him. My sins were nailed to his cross. My sins were dealt with there. They do not need to be dealt with by me fulfilling the law, by me dying, by me and my obedience to the law. Christ dealt with them and I identify with that, in a way of saying, I am crucified with Christ. And we may say that when Christ died, then the sins of all of his people were put away. They all, like those pots of small and great company, uh, great uh, volume, they all that were hung upon him, all fell off. And the, those sins that were laid on him, they were put away, they were dealt with. They were punished in his flesh and he died once to put away sin. And yet he is said to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world in the purposes of God. And those from Abel to Christ all died uh, in faith, as Hebrews 11 testifies, that Christ would come. They saw those promises afar off and they embraced them. But those promises they centred in what the Lord would do at Calvary. If you and I are saved, then we will identify with Christ and his crucifixion. There will be 
our hope and be like the Old Testament saints that when the lamb was being slain for their sin they laid their hand upon the head of that lamb they identified with it that lamb's sufferings that death its blood shed was not because of its sin but because of the sinner and they saw that death they saw uh, that suffering and so that is the first way we would identify uh, with Christ's death as being crucified with him that our sins were laid on him and it was just as if we were dying with him and our sins put away when he was crucified. But then it's identifying with Christ as being then dead unto the law. This is his teaching here, uh, that the law then is of no power against him. In Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If we were to commit uh, an offence that warranted a fine in this land and while that fine was unpaid that law would be against us it would pursue us until that fine was paid if someone else paid that fine for us then the law would be satisfied and we would not be pursued by the law there was nothing, we couldn't be held to prison, we couldn't be required to pay the fine again, we couldn't have anything held against us because that account had been settled. And the identifying with Christ is identifying with the law as being fulfilled in Christ, the law as satisfied in Christ. And the Apostle identifies with Christ in that way, his crucifixion and his death. You're not under the law, but under grace. You're not lawless, not without law, and all his arguments regarding living holy and godly lives and upright lives, in Romans 6 and in other places, he says the law was made for not a living man, but a dead man, a transgressor, sinners. But the people of God, they're not looking to the law as giving them life at all. It has nothing to say to them in condemnation and in how to live. They look to the gospel. They look to our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, it is everything that is contained in the Holy Word of God that is to be the guide and direction for a child of God how to live. But as regards condemnation, as regards the debt, then there is being dead to the law. But then he identifies not only in death, but in life. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And he is identifying with our Lord Jesus Christ rising from the dead. That is something we could never do if we were to pay 
and put away our own sin, if that could be so, we would not, we could not rise from the dead. But our Lord Jesus Christ himself was spotless and innocent and that debt being paid for his people, the assurance of it. He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So as clear as the apostle is identifying with his sins put away on Calvary, he's also identifying with Christ's life. Nevertheless, I live. You know, if we went back to Romans 7 and Paul was brought in condemned as a guilty sinner, if there was no gospel, if there was no hope some other way, if it was just hope in fulfilling the law, there would be no life. He would have died. Any soul that is under conviction of sin with no hope set before them in the gospel is just utter and black despair. But in the gospel there is hope and it is in the risen Saviour. And so he speaks of a life, a new life. He says, nevertheless I live, yet not I. Not that old nature, not that which he once was. And of course with the Apostle Paul we have a very clear difference in his life before and after the Damascus Road. Those that identify with Christ identify with the old life as dead and a new life living. If you show forth the praises of him and called you out of nature's darkness into his marvellous light, those that are risen with Christ in newness of life. And that's what the apostle identifies with uh, Christ and he said, yes, it is I, but it is not me. It's a new me. It's a different me. And how different it must have been to see Saul after that conversion as before. The lion turned into a lamb and a hater of Jesus into a lover of Jesus. You know, with the man that was born blind, there was much questioning whether he really was the same man. And he says, I am. He says, I am. Once I was blind, but now I see. But I am the same man, but I am very different now. I have eyes to see now, I see now. In a spiritual way, God's children, they, at the new birth, they see, they hear, they feel, they are new creatures in Christ. They almost don't even bear any resemblance to what they were before. And so, again, it's a identifying with Christ and a change that is wrought that they are the same person, but a difference has been made. Job, he speaks of it, even thinking further of the resurrection, and he says, 
Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall behold for myself and not another. And he views that God will raise him up from the dead. It will be a completely different body. Like Paul reads to the Corinthians, the mortal body and yet a celestial body. And yet Job says it will still be me. It will still be me. Now if we had a daffodil bulb and we planted that daffodil bulb that was all shriveled up and looking dry and in springtime it came up, that daffodil, daffodil would say, it is still me. I come from this same, uh, same bulb. The butterfly flying around would say, you see that caterpillar a little while ago, it's still me, but I'm different now, I've got wings now. And I've changed, but it's still the same, same one, same thing. We have all of these illustrations in nature that show something of the creation, the resurrection, and the difference, and yet being the same person, but also the change by grace of being the same person, but a new creature in Christ, living in a different way, living a different life. And so the Apostle identifies with our Lord in that way. We're not able to do that ourselves. It is created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, if the Lord has wrought those things in us, he's made that change, brought us to see our sins laid on Christ at Calvary, that he has changed us and made us new creatures in Christ, dead to the law, alive unto God. Then we should also identify with the Lord in the ordinances of his house. Some might think, well, what degrees should we have a knowledge of Christ or his work in us before we are baptised? Those who were baptised in the early church, they would have needed much teaching and much instruction to follow, especially the unit, and they weren't told, well, you've got to wait until you're able to recite the Westminster or Baptist confession of faith, or be able to speak authoritatively on the scriptures. No, it was those that identified with Christ, because that is what the apostle. We read it there in in, in Romans six, and he explains what baptism is. He says, "Know ye not that so many of us." as were baptised into Jesus Christ, were baptised into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
And so in the ordinances of the Lord's house, in baptism especially, it identifies the candidate with Christ and him crucified. His death and his rising again is a personal profession and dwelling upon these two things. What has been dealt with the old life, the sin, and what is made a new creature, how they are then living in Christ and how they are a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away, all things become new. And that then is followed by the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And again, there's identifying with Christ in eating the elements, the bread, and drinking the wine, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Do this in remembrance of me. And those that are doing it, those observing that ordinance, are identifying, they are publicly stating, my hope for heaven is built upon Christ and him crucified. His blood, his death, his broken body, not my works of righteousness which I have done, not the law, but Christ's fulfilling of the law and making it honourable. And so where the apostle is applying these doctrines, these truths to himself, is always been the intention of the Holy Spirit, the intention of our Lord who instituted these ordinances, that that which was really experienced and wrought in the hearts of his people, that it be shown forth in those ordinances and they be reminded of it. And they glorify him in showing it forth as often as they uh, eat his flesh and drink his blood in the ordinance of Lord's Supper. So may we remember that too, And if we are partakers and identifying with the crucified Christ, may we do it as well in the ordinances of his house. Then the apostle says here, he identifies with Christ living in him. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now the Lord had given his promise to his disciples, that to those that believe that he would come and take up his residence with them. His promise was, and still is, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He is with his people by his grace and by his spirit that he puts in them. And so he, the apostle here says, the life which I now live in the flesh. Very clear, this is the life here below. This is in the flesh. This is the life that I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is, that faith of which in Hebrews we're told our Lord is the author and finisher of faith. And without faith it is impossible to please him. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is vital that we 
have faith and are given that faith by the Lord. And faith sees what eyes do not see. It's a spiritual eyes. It's faith that looks back to the burdens thou didst bear when hanging on the accursed tree, hopes her guilt was there, as the hymn writer says. It is the faith that believes the word of God, that what was done there and the tomb empty, the Lord will honour that, that he may trust in that. Faith hangs upon the precious words of God. It believes them, it hangs upon them. I think in one of Mr. Ramsbottom's books, he speaks of faith and uh, the tightrope walker who uh, said to someone, did they really believe that he could wheel a person in a wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope? And they said, yes, they believed that he could do that, but they wouldn't get into the wheelbarrow. And the thing is with faith, it is a trusting, a trusting solely in what we have faith in. And he is trusting solely in the work of our Lord and his testimony, his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so that life that he lived was in the faith of the Son of God, faith that was given him. And how that faith was tried many things that happened to him in the persecution with the Jews, in the shipwrecks that he had, in the times that he was taken by the Romans, in all these things that came upon him, he had this view that the Lord was ordering all things in his life. He says, I count not my life dear unto me. My life has been given to me as a, as a prey. It's given to me from the dead. And he says in another place, you are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are his. And as Paul lived and maybe as we live as well, it is by that faith that he has given. And may remember this, that we mentioned that faith cometh by hearing. As we gather together and read the word of God and have it preached, that is to strengthen our faith and to help us to cleave to the Lord and to remember his word and hang upon his word. Faith is not an empty thing. It rests upon what the Lord has said and what the testimony of Scripture is to what the Lord has done. It is easy for us to say that we believe in the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. But unless the Lord gives us faith, we will never rest wholly upon it. There will always be a leaning, leaning to our old works, leaning uh, to the works of the flesh, leanings are something that we can see, trying to add to Christ's sacrifice, trying to put something else to it, but it is Christ only, and that is the work of faith. Another identifying with the crucifixion of our Lord is the love of God. 
God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in our text, the apostle says this, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he's tracing that love of the Lord in what he did. This is something that those that believe in a universal atonement can never say. Those that say, well, Christ died for everybody and only those that believe and avail themselves of his sacrifice can be saved and they can just believe of their own free will. But that takes away the very particular love of Christ. I lay down my life for the sheep, he says. He says to the scribes, Pharisees, ye are not of my sheep, therefore ye hear not my word. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the law that demanded a just weight, a just balance, no more, no less, The Levites redeemed the firstborn of the children of Israel one for one. And where there wasn't enough Levites, then they paid for the shekel according to the sanctuary for those that remained. There's not a payment, just an indiscriminate payment for any, for all the sins of mankind. And then it's only available or only effectual in some. The apostle could clearly see that as Christ died for him, his sins were laid on Christ. Christ knew those sins. He knew for whom he died. I pray for them. I pray not uh, for the world, but for them whom thou hast given me. And where then... The apostle has faith to view Christ dying for him and giving him a new life. He is able to say very clearly, who loved me? I identify with Christ's crucifixion in that I see by this Christ's love for me. You might be troubled maybe tonight. How do I know that Christ loved me? Of course, with Peter... The evidence was we love him because he first loved us. Our Lord said to Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter could testify that he did. And where the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost, it is a testimony of Christ's love for us. But Paul doesn't put it in that way. He puts it that as he is brought to believe by faith, Christ died for him. He knows that that was through the love of God. But then there is identifying with the crucifixion of Christ in our own painful and uh, lingering death with sin in our members. And we are to take up our cross and follow the Lord and really daily feel what it is to be crucified with Christ and our members which are upon the earth 
and yielding those members as servants uh, unto righteousness and not servants of sin. And it is identifying in this way, and I, I feel it very much so of God's children. They have a lingering death, as it were, of the old nature. Indeed, it doesn't have dominion over them, but it's still there, and there's still a conflict. And if you were to turn to Romans 7, after the chapter we read, again the Apostle deals with it in his own personal experience. He says, The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? His answer is, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. There will be a constant battle between the two and it's a painful crucifixion of the flesh. And the apostle identifies with our Lord and every child of God will identify in that way. When I'm meditating upon this verse, the way it begins is not I was crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. As if it is continuing on. Well, Christ is not suffering. Christ is in heaven. But the identity of his people here below they are still in a body of death. They are still compassed with infirmities. They still have sin in their members, but they have this promise that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so that path is a path of crucifixion, painful and slow death. And I just wanted to convey this, if you've got habits, besetting sins, those things that plague us day by day, it will be through our life a slow, painful death of those sins. Nailed to Christ's cross, it will be also identifying with Christ a willingness to take up our cross and follow him. Our Lord was insistent upon this, that we also have a cross, not that's putting away our sin, but it's dealing with sin here below. It's how we interact with it. It's how we allow it as it works in our members. It's that which takes away the power and dominion of it. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And it is being crucified with Christ in this way. Another aspect of being identified with Christ and him crucified is that willingness to take up the cross. A willingness to fight the good fight of faith. A willingness to resist the devil with the promise he shall flee from us. A willingness to wrestle day by day, often coming as in 1 John 1, confessing our sins, 
pleading that promise, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't ever think that just because we would identify with Christ that we have no consciousness of sins here below. It is God's people alone that feel and know what sin is and that groan underneath it. Unless we be in despair and dejected over it, we are shown the way in which sin is to be dealt with and that is crucified. And it is a painful way. Faith, flesh, dislike, faith, uh, flesh dislikes the way, but faith approves it well. The flesh, as it were, kicks and struggles and resists against the Spirit. But it's a blessed thing if we have the Spirit that goes the other way and it resists against the flesh and against the desires of the mind. So with Paul's identifying with Christ, it has respect to his eternal standing, it has respect to his daily conflict with sin, it has respect to the ordinances of the Lord's house, it has respect to identifying with Christ's finished work and putting on a right and a real foundation of a hope beyond the grave, a hope that is built solely upon Christ, his death and his resurrection and the effect that that has had and does have on our own lives. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.